Hey, we're almost done. Just hang in there a couple more minutes. Here's the most important thing about this service. The point of this service and every service we do here is simple. It's never meant to be an end, but a beginning. There's a feeling of conclusion you have right now in your heart. We know it. It's not bad. It's not evil. It just needs to be divinely transformed into a belief that says, when this service ends, my Christian faith begins. You see, the point is not to only receive all that this church has to offer. The point is to receive it, then give it away during the week. The point is not to make our church more exclusive, but to make Jesus available to everyone we brush up against. The point is not to pit the sacred against the secular, the Sunday against the Monday. The point is to see all of life, our church lives, our business lives, and our family lives as divine opportunities. The point is not for you to get caught up in your own story. The point is to become fully alive to the grand story that God is telling through you. Here's the point. Church is not about church. It's about living outside these walls. By the way we interact with people, we can and we will become the aroma of Jesus. And people won't just hear it, they'll feel it. They'll feel that their lives are not hopeless because you stink of hope. They'll feel the companionship of the Almighty because you are walking with them. And they'll feel, some for the first time in their lives, the sweet aroma of being loved. So go, be loved by God, and give that love away freely to all, because there are people in your current circle of relationships who are gasping for one breath of Christ's life, and you're it. That's the point. What'd you guys think about the choir? We talked a little bit. I talked to Weston. I know he's, he's digging into it too. We want to be able to hear him a little bit better, but we're not really set up for a choir because we hadn't had that, uh, we hadn't had that uh, ministry yet. And so we're going to get a couple more mics that are made for that and stuff like that so we can get them out there a little bit more even. But I thought they did a great job. Thought they were uh, thought they were doing, doing really well. Today's message is entitled Finish Strong. Finish strong. And if you'll think back to some things that we have been talking about and the series that we just got finished with uh, called Equipping the Saints, and then we talked about worship, uh, I guess that's, you know, it only logically leads to this place of, you know, life is broken up into three, three stages, really. You have, before you knew Christ, you have your salvation experience, and then you have finishing the race. You know, really, there's not much beyond that. You, you were who you were. You can't change that. Jesus Christ came so that that might be changed. You can't do anything about it. But if you know Jesus Christ, if you enter into the fellowship that he is offering, if you uh, eat his flesh and drink his blood, yes, he used those words, not me, then you can have fellowship with him. Then you will know what it means to be set free. Basically, what he is saying is if you take in the nourishment that he is offering, then you will have life. Other than that, you cannot have life. You can't have energy. You can't, you can't have motivation. You can't go. You are just, you're just waiting to expire. You are continually in a state of depression that you will never fully get out of at all. It will only get worse. But Jesus Christ has come to offer you hope. He has come to offer you something that cannot be found anywhere else. 
He is the only God. He is the only way. He is the only truth. He is the only life. You say, that sounds pretty exclusive. It is. Can't help it. Jesus Christ is the only God, and I mean it. He is the only way. There is no other. There is no other salvation. We make no hesitation about it. If we're on video, Jesus Christ is the only way to get to God. Period. So he comes and he offers and he says, would you like to know this salvation? Would you like to know me? I am standing at the door knocking. If you will open the door, I will come in and eat with you and you with me. We will have fellowship and we will start to live. And then we will continue for our lives to get better. Other than that, the only other alternative is to die and die worse. That's just truth. I love you enough to tell you the truth. And then once we enter into this life, then we must pursue Christ. And that's called justification is the salvation, the salvific part where we come into the presence of God through his blood. Our sins is washed away and we are now pure, righteous, and holy through his righteousness, not our own, but his righteousness. And now comes the race where we go, move into sanctification. And I've used those words enough now. I try not to use too big a words, but I want you to grow. And I'm not going to treat you like babies every time for the next 10 years, and I plan on being at the well for a long time. So you need to grow. And so justification is being saved. You're justified through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. But then comes sanctification, where we are sanctified or made pure, made holy, turned into the likeness of God. We are made in His image, but we are now being created and transformed into His likeness. The Bible says that we are to be clothed in Christ so that when other people look at you, do they see you or Christ? What do they need to see? Christ. And the only way that they may see Christ might be you. You have no idea how important you are. Now, you are not necessary because God is sovereign. And God will have who he desires. But he may just have you in mind to get who he desires. And so as we look, we say, God doesn't need me, but God wants me. And it's not that I have to go do God's work, but it is that I get to be involved in what God's doing. And so God is calling you to enter into fellowship and to run this race and to finish strong. And so as we look at our lives, as, as we look at our Christianity, we need to stop and we need to examine what's going on in our lives. And I am calling you today to examine your life. I want you, you understand that if you have come to know Christ and if you've not, then you need to do that today. Today may be the day of your salvation and the beginning of your race. You see so many people think that salvation is the finish line. I'm saved. Yes, I'm good. I've got the prize. Oh, no. Salvation is the starting line. You were laying behind the starting line dead and couldn't run because your legs did not work. Now Jesus Christ has revived you breathed life into you, said, get up, get to the starting line. Salvation is the starting line. And once you hear the gun, once you have believed in Jesus Christ, it is time to start running. And as you start running, by necessity, you are finishing the race. You see, you're not, you're not so much running the race, you are finishing, you are looking to that goal, you are looking to finish, you are looking to run that race. And so as we think about our Christian life, so many get saved and think that they're done. 
I've, I've won, I've made it. No. Now what I'm not saying is, and we'll get into the sermon, but what I'm not saying is, is that you need to run in order to get the prize, but you have been brought to life and your life is running the race. You don't run it to earn it. You run it because he gave it. We run the race. We go, we push, we drive because of this great God who has called us into this place of action. We're in 2 Timothy today, chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me. If you don't, read it on the screen. I'd recommend bringing your Bibles if you can. That way you can look along, underline. I write in my Bible. Some people don't like to do that. I do. Um, you do what you would like to do. I think I've got notes beside mine and things like that. But if you've got a copy of God's Word, turn, God's Word, turn with me in the Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. Let's read. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Let's pray. Jesus, I come to you longing that you would give me the words in the right order, that you would give me the words that need to come in order that they might see you. God, please hide me behind the cross. I, I don't care about any acknowledgement or glory. I pray, God, that you would receive all glory, that you would receive all praise. And what is said here today would lift you up, that it would tear down walls that have been built around the heart, God, that it would open up blind eyes, that it would remove the scales, that it would take the plugs out of the ears. Some needing their fingers taken out of their ears, and that you would transform people's hearts today. God, I pray, I pray with all of my heart that you would send the Holy Spirit. I prophesy to you, Spirit, just like Ezekiel did, and I ask that you come and that you would awaken these bones. And for those that are awakened, God, I pray that you would push them and strengthen the muscles that make them move. Call them. Help them to see that you are not a God of silence. You are not a God of stillness where we do not love, we do not go, we do not pursue, but that you are a God of motion and love and pursuit. Help us, God. Bless the reading and the hearing of your word. Be with us now as we dig in. In Jesus' name, amen. There's three things I want to pull from this text today that I want to share with you as many of you have have started to recognize your call. You've started to recognize this, this, this thing that God is doing in your life. And, and, and many of you actually have come to me and said, man, I'm, I'm more on fire now for God than I've ever been. I've never experienced God like this. I'm trying to figure out where do I go next? What do I do? Some have acknowledged calls that they think that they need to go into ministry. Some have acknowledged that, that I just need to help somewhere. Where do you need me, Brandon? Let me get plugged in somewhere. We have uh, all of our structures that we did our church-wide training on being put into place on the first April, uh, first Sunday in April, and we're excited about that. A lot of you will get to serve for the first time. A lot of you will get to serve in a better way. So you're seeing your call. You're realizing that it's not just about the preacher. It's not just about the deacon. It's not just about the team leader or the service leader. It's about you. That video we just watched says the point is that you are loved by God, but that you go and you share that love with others. You see, I cannot reach your circle. I can't. And as a matter of fact, a guy was just speaking to me a minute ago that 
we might need, you know, we did the invite Sunday where we gave away a prize. We gave away a pretty good prize to see who can invite the most people. And there was a little controversy over that because some had asked me, said, Brandon, why would you, why would you seemingly pay someone to bring someone to church? I had a couple answers for that. One is, if I can spend $1,000 and see one person come to Christ through any means, I will do it. $1,000 is a drop in the bucket to a soul saved by God. I don't care if anybody knows that, I will. As a matter of fact, I spend money all the time to get to tell people about Jesus. You say, what do you mean? You should be doing the same thing. I take people out to lunch. You should say, you say I ain't got no money, Brandon. Yeah, because you spend it on Red Bulls and cigarettes, as Forrest Gump would say. He tasted like cigarettes. How many, how many people could you take to lunch and love on them and develop a relationship if you would stop smoking two packs a day? You say, Brandon, my toe hurts. Good. I ain't got no, well, I'm just saying, don't, don't put money and possessions over people and souls. You are an evangelist. What you don't understand is that God is looking to use you in the world so that someone else might be filled full. If you are changed by Jesus Christ and you do not go out and share, then you are either lying or selfish. And if that doesn't make you feel good, then good. Maybe you are being convicted. Because we have to take this thing and we have to give it away, guys. We got to give, 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 give it away. And as you give away, it will be given to you. You want to be blessed by God? Then you can't hold it all in. You can't not go. If you want to be blessed by God, materialistically, spiritually, emotionally, physically, it doesn't matter. You got to give away. You got to go. You got to pursue people. You got to give yourself away. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about what now? What do I do every day? And I need you to understand that as we did that invitation where we gave that thing, God was laying on my heart, why don't we do an invitation for next week? Why don't we? There's no money. There's no prize. Except, what's the real prize? What's the real prize? Jesus Christ. Heaven, a life with Him, an eternity with Him. I would like to see who can bring the most people next week. And you say, Brian, you're just trying to get numbers in the church. Yeah. I want them to come so that they can see. Numbers are people. People are names. Names are souls. It was the reason that in Acts they recorded 3,000 souls saved that day. Is it about the numbers? No, not so we can be successful and have numbers. But it's about numbers so that we can get more people in front of Jesus Christ. You are the way that that's done. They're not hearing me. Hey! Doesn't matter how loud I yell, they can't hear me over in Campobello. They can't hear me over in Landrum. They can't hear me over in Lyman. They can't hear me in Greenville. They can't hear me in Polk County. You got to be the mouthpiece of God. You got to take the message with you. And that's nothing more than saying you won't believe what God is doing. And maybe they don't come here with you. But maybe they'll go to First Baptist, maybe they'll go to Fairview, maybe they'll go to a church in Polk County that's closer to them, but maybe they see God working in your life, maybe they see you building a relationship, maybe they see what Jesus is doing for you and they say, I got to find somewhere to go and that's okay. You don't got to bring them here, they don't got to come here, invite them somewhere, tell them, say, 
They might say, I've been, I go to this church up here I hadn't been in a while. Well, tell them, say, get back in there. Get back in there. And if you don't feel comfortable going there, you come with me. I'll give you a ride. Spend gas money on them. Go out of your way. The first point today, and I am making that official. Next week, I want you to invite a friend. And not a friend that's already attending another church. We're not trying to steal somebody like, hey, man, go with me. Go with me next week instead of your church because I need to impress the pastor. Bring somebody that doesn't go to church. Talk with them. Push them. Get their, you know, develop a relationship with them. Let's see who can bring the most people next week. Invite somebody. Invite somebody. Go out of your way. Well, let's look at what Paul did because Paul was running the race. That's what he's talking about here. He is, he's, he's poured himself out. Well, I don't know if he's poured himself out. I guess we'll get into the text to see that. Let's read again and we'll break it down. Listen to what Paul says in verse 6. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. Who caught that little word in there? Is Paul pouring himself out? That is actually a passive. He says, I am already being poured out. He's, he's not saying, I'm pouring myself out. I got it going on, baby. I done found the ticket. I know how to, I'm a little teapot. He's not the one doing it. As a matter of fact, if you read it like it's written, then what he's acting like is, who remembers what Paul said about the clay jars? Clay pots, remember? That we have this treasure in jars of clay. You see, the picture here is, is that there's these old clay water pots, and, and God has something amazing he wants to show. And what's the best way to see how awesome a diamond is? You put the bright light on it and putting something dark under it, right? The cloth under it doesn't look near as good as a diamond. It makes that light diamond bling. And the person looking at it is going, ooh. As a matter of fact, it, that's what, it makes it look really good. You see, when you, get this, when you get this treasure that God is offering in this dirty, beat up, just rough looking clay pot, everybody, nobody looks at the clay pot. And thirsty people look at that clean water in there and go, oh, man. You see, you are a vessel. You, 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 many of us, we, you think too highly of yourself. And I do too. You think, you think too highly. You think you got to have it this way and you got to have it that way. And, and you think that, that, that these people need to serve me. And why are they doing that over there? We need to think of ourselves less. And think of God more. We need to understand that we are vessels that need to be poured out. And the picture here, as Paul says, I am being poured out, is that something external outside of himself is the one doing the pouring. And so what Paul is saying is, I'm just a vessel. God, pour me where you will. And so the picture is God reaching down and grabbing him, and he is pouring God out. I mean, I'm sorry. He is pouring Paul out. God is the one pouring Paul out. How many of you would pray that prayer? Oh, you're getting into real Christianity now. God, pour me out as you see fit so that they may drink deeply of your son. How many of you are willing to be poured out? Some of us will say, well, I'll pour a little over here, and I'll pour a little over here, and I'll pour a little over here, but God, don't grab hold of me. 
call is being poured out. The first point is that we need to suffer well. That we need to suffer well. You say, why you got to go there, Brandon? You need to suffer well. Because that's what being poured out is about. It's about being spent. It's about being used by God. It's about God taking you to the places that need to be reached and using the resources that he has poured into you so that he can then pick you up and pour them out over here. And all the time, he is continually filling you and emptying you. Filling you and emptying you. But you know what? You can't be emptied unless you are full. And you can't get full unless you are? Come on, you can't get full unless you are? Empty. Empty. You, you need to be continually seeking God and then pouring out so you can get renewed and then pour out again so you can get renewed. This is the joyous, this is the joyous nightmare of our lives. You see, nobody told me when I first got saved that the Holy Spirit will haunt you. You step out of the will of God, you step out of fellowship with him, and he will never let you rest again. Before I knew Christ, I was a good sinner. I was good at what I did. I'm not even kidding either. I could drink the most, smoke the most, take the most pills, and if you couldn't hang with me, I would laugh at you. I would make fun of you and did not care. Didn't feel bad. Leave you laying in the floor, walk right away. Bother me. Now, I still sin. Not the same kind of sin, but I'm terrible at it. It's terrible. I do sin. I've got my sins, but now it eats me alive. I can't get away from it. Used to, I was a good sinner. I could do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it, and then nobody had nothing on me. But now, since God has come into my life, I can't do anything without God just, he won't leave me alone. He won't let me sin, which is a wonderful thing. Because if God left me alone, if God left you alone, then you would go astray. But it is God wooing you and disciplining you and reminding you and putting you through those trials and those troubles and those tribulations that reminds you, you belong to me, boy. You are not your own. I am not my own. You think you're your own? You think way too highly of yourself, and you're not a very good manager. Be glad that God is micromanaging you, so I'm not a robot. Man, God is the one who needs to call the shots unless you want to die. Give it up. You fight against God, you lose every time. And so we look and we say we need to suffer well. When Paul says here, he says, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. The first question that comes to my mind, what are you dying for? What are you dying for? Think about that question. What are you dying for? You say, Brandon, I, what do you mean? I, I'm not dying. I'm not, I don't have, I, you know, I'm not dying. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Every breath you take is leading up to your death on this world. What is it that you are putting yourself into? What is it that you are communicating? What is it that you are investing yourself in? You only have so many days here. Your life is an investment. Oh, how I wish I could get that through my head and yours. 
Your life is an investment. Every minute of every day is an opportunity to invest in the kingdom. It is an opportunity to invest in eternity. It is an opportunity to lay up treasure for yourself in heaven that moth cannot get to and rust cannot destroy. Don't you understand that many of us work and toil and we grind ourselves to the bone so that we can get treasure here while dismissing the treasure there and this will just go away? Pallbearers cannot pick up coffins filled with gold. They are too heavy. What are you investing yourself in? What are you dying for? You see, Paul here is being poured out. Paul is being poured out. He says this. He only uses this term one other time, and it is in Philippians uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 17. You can turn over there with me if you want. I'll just read it otherwise. Philippians 2, 17. Listen to what he says. He says kind of the same thing. He says, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Did you hear what he just said? Listen to what he says. If, even if I am being poured out, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. You see, he says, I am being poured out. I, I'm, I'm receiving some, some pain. This is not easy, but I am being poured out for your faith. I will not die in vain. And if, and if I receive criticism, if I receive hardship, if I receive funny looks, if I receive persecution, then bring it on. If I can help you know Christ. What are you dying for? What are you living for? Do you just blindly walk through life? doing this job, doing that job, do you understand that the stuff in this world it will not last? You do need to work. You do need to make money. But why? So that I don't over-spiritualize everything. Why? You know Jesus Christ is the foundation and the undergirding of everything that you do should be. So even as you go to work, even as you toil, even as you grind it out to make money, to pay bills, what are you doing? You're being like Christ if you understand that Jesus Christ was the one that came to the earth. He hit blood, sweat, and tears. He did the work on the cross so that he could pay your debt. And as you do so, you look at your kids and you say, be like Jesus. Be like Jesus. He threw away all the material so that the eternal would be lifted up. And that's the word from God. I had no intention on saying that. You understand that? You understand that your life has eternal significance, not just for you, but for others. Are you willing to be poured out for the faith of others? Are you willing to be poured out for the faith of others? They depend on you, and they depend on me. You have people surrounding you that God is calling you to be a tool, an eternal tool, to pluck them out of the flames of hell. Do you know it says that in the book of Jude? that you can reach down and pluck them out of the flames of hell. You said that's a work of God. Well, God's using you to get them out. Be used. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your death. Don't waste your suffering. Suffer well. We go on and say he is emptying it out, leaving it on the court, pushing all in. You see, as he talks there, he says, 
He says, I am being poured out as a drink offering. I am being poured out. There's nothing left. I am giving it all. I am going all in. There is nothing left that I have to offer. There's nothing that I'm holding on to. I'm all in. Are you all in? And I don't know how to say it any other way, but let me say it this way. In the end, in the end, you will either be all in or all out. There is no fence. There is no lukewarm. There is no, well, I tried to be a good person. There is no, but God, I, I went to church every day. I went on Wednesdays and Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and any mission trip. There is none of that. There is, did you give yourself to Jesus or did you not? He says, I am being poured out. I am yours. Do with me what you will. Are you all in? Examine yourselves to see whether or not you be in the faith. That's the words of Paul, not mine. Let us examine ourselves. And one good key, one good reference is how do you suffer? You say, I don't like you talking about suffering, Brandon. Got to. Got to. One, it's inevitable. You're going to suffer. Two is I'm just trying to figure out how you suffer. Suffer well, for it is one of your greatest tools to glorify God. He is being emptied out. You see, in Exodus, I went back and looked at some of this and dug in a little bit here. <clears throat> and when he uses this phrase, I am being poured out like a drink offering, we're looking back actually to some of the Old Testament ritualistic sacrifices. And what would happen is, and I won't go and read it, I was planning on going and reading it, but what would happen is that they would take a lamb, and the lamb is, is significant, and, and it really points to who? Jesus Christ. The lamb is the foreshadowing of the lamb of God. That's what Paul, I mean, uh, John says, he says, Behold the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. In the Old Testament, this was signified and pointed to by another lamb that they would bring. And what they would do is they would pour some wine, a drink offering on this lamb. They would put some spices on it. They'd put a little flour on it. And they would heave this lamb up onto the altar that was burning. And as this lamb burnt up in a sacrificial offering to the Lord, as a matter of fact, I will read it because you need to hear that part. Listen to what he says. And with the first lamb, a tenth of shea of fine flour mingled with a fourth of a hen of beaten oil and a fourth of a hen of wine for a drink offering. There's the drink offering, okay? Pay attention. Let's learn something today. Pay attention. This is not just random things. Listen to what he says. That is the drink offering. The other lamb you shall uh, offer at twilight and shall offer it a grain offering and its drink offering as in the morning for a pleasing aroma, a food offering to the Lord. A pleasing aroma and a food offering to the Lord. This is very significant because Paul is using this exact same analogy, same language, same word in order to tell you something about how we are to sacrifice. You see, Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. That Lamb in the Old Testament that was heaved up onto the burning coals and burned to please God is Jesus Christ. 
It finds its ultimate reality in Jesus Christ. And what Paul is saying is, I am the wine that's poured onto this lamb to make it wonderfully delicious. You see, I get to thinking about a steak. And you see, that steak, when I throw it on the grill, if I have no marinade, if I have no, if I have no herbs, if I have no spices, you know, it lays on there and it, it smells pretty good. But what starts happening, what starts happening if I put a little Worcestershire, I think that's how you say it, Worcestershire. I put a little Dells on it. I sprinkle a little oregano maybe or maybe some garlic salt, throw a little pepper on there. What happens? You got the next door neighbors wandering over aimlessly. You know? But what about the meat? What about the meat? It's cooked over the open flame for the, the, the delight and the pleasure of the one about to consume. Who's in the flame? Is the lamb in the flame? The lamb is in the flame. Who goes into the lamb? Who goes into the flame with the lamb? The drink offering. You see what this verse is saying is, is that you are being burned up for God. But as you, you ever, you ever had a good hot flame on your grill and you pour a little of that worshiper on there and it runs off the side and all of a sudden it goes, woof, and flames up. You know the first time you're like, ah, and you start pouring it, give me some water. But you understand that that's not going to last very long. So the next time you get a little better at grilling, you dump a little of that Worcestershire on there, and that flame goes up, and all you do is go, mm. Isn't that any good? If y'all are hungry right now, I shouldn't even have used that illustration. But it's good. And that, and that, you see, you are being tossed into the flame, guys. I'm not going to lie. People say, oh, the Christian faith is wonderfully delicious. Bowl full of cherries. Come to Jesus and get your heart's desire. Health, wealth, and prosperity. If you believe, it shall be given. If you believe, you shall be tossed in the flame. If you believe, you shall be tossed into the lion's den. But as you go up in flames, the Lord is going, mm, yeah. because he knows you will come off of that grill. And as you suffered with Christ, you will be glorified with him as well. Go into the flames. It will not be pleasant, but it will be worth it. The second thing here is that you just need to keep breathing. I had a little bit more on that, but we're going to move on. That you just need to keep breathing. Sometimes we just need to keep breathing. You need to suffer well, but you need to keep breathing. You see, as he goes on there, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. <clears throat> I was reading one commentary, and I think he had it right when he was saying, this is all athletic terms. This is all athletic terms. And it could be paraphrased like this. It says in here, it says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. That could actually be, uh, it could actually be paraphrased a little like this. I, I, have, I have run my heart out, I've crossed the finish line, and I played by the rules, so I can't be disqualified. You say, well, hold on a second, Brandon. We don't have to be, we don't have to play by the rules to be qualified. It's not about works, is it? 
not. But let me show you another place in the Scripture, just so that you don't think that I'm being works-related, where Paul uses the same language. Listen to this. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 20, let's start in verse 25. He says, Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Now, what's going on here? Because I thought that once you were saved, you were saved and you could just do whatever you wanted to do. The blood of Christ washes away all unrighteousness. So, Brandon, tell me what it is. Does he save you forevermore and you can do whatever you want to do? Or do you have to continually stay next to him in order to receive that salvation? That's a good question. And if you are, if you care about the Bible after reading this, you should be asking that question. I would explain it this way. I believe in the perseverance of the saints, meaning that once you are truly saved, once you have come into the presence of God and born of the family through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, you cannot take yourself out of the hand of God. I believe that. I believe that in Romans 8, it says, Who then shall separate us from the love of God? In Christ shall trial or persecution or no, no, I tell you this, and neither height nor depth or angels or, or anything in between shall separate us from the love of God in Christ. I think what this is saying is, is that you need to examine yourself on a daily basis to see if your life lines up with your statement of faith. You cannot say, I admit that I'm, the ABCs, I admit that I am a sinner, I believe in Jesus Christ, and I confess him as Lord and Savior. Let's go. Let's go over here and do whatever we want to do for the rest of our lives. I'm good now. Because that type of attitude points to the fact that you were never regenerate in the first place. You see, the only one that can claim once saved, always saved, is the one who is presently, continually seeking after Jesus Christ right now, right here in this place. I'm not telling you you can lose your salvation. I'm telling you you need to check and see if you were ever saved in the first place. Because my Bible tells me a tree will be known by the fruit that it bears. And if you say you know him, then you should have fruit hanging on your limb. We need to be fighting the good fight. We need to be pressing forward. We need to be examining ourselves. Paul was the one that says, be careful not to drift away from the faith and find that you were never there in the first place. Jesus says, many will stand before God and say, Lord, Lord, did we not do all of these wonderfully magnificent things, cast out demons, do all of these miracles and everything, and we'll stand before God and he'll look at us and say, depart from me, I never knew you. Do you think your works will earn your way in? Absolutely not. If the demons can cast out, how many of you have cast out a demon? How many of you have healed the blind? How many of you have done all these miracles? If they are going to stand before God and say, all right, God, we're good. And they cast out demons. What are you going to be? You're going to stand beside them and look and say, oh, no. I went to church. Jesus Christ is the way. We fight the good fight. We lay hold of the plow and we never turn back. Fight the good fight. That's what he's saying. You must breathe. Oh, let me tell you this because this is pretty good. Literal translation of this verse is when he says, I have fought the good fight. I thought this was very interesting. 
And I don't usually tell you the Greek, but in this case I will because it's very interesting. The word for fight is actually agon. And the word used here is agone. Anybody just guess what it means? Huh? Agony. Good. This actually literally translates to I have agonized the good agony. Oh, that is really good. That should just define your faith. I have agonized the good agony. You say, I'm, I'm in agony, Brandon. Good. You're in the right spot. Just agonize well. You feel me? I'm saying, he's saying, I have agonized the good agony now. But we don't have to, we don't have to end there. Listen to what he says. I will use the literal translation. He says, I have agonized the good agony. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. What he's saying is, burn well, burn well, burn well, suffer well, agonize well. Because when you get to the end of the race, glory, hallelujah. It's worth it, guys. He is true to his word. It's worth it. You can trust him. I promise you can trust him. I know it's hard right now. I know you're going through the flame. But there is a reason you are going through the flame. He is standing back watching you burn going, and God is pleased, not because you are hurting, but because he knows that it will pay in the end. And you will be able to stand knowing that you were poured out for the salvation of how many, will you say? Be poured out. They need you to be poured out. God is longing for you to be poured out. Run into the flame. Like who? I know it's a little late, but I've got to tell you a little more. When he says, I had an illustration I thought might help. You must breathe, because some of you right now are like, Brandon, I, I hear you, man. I'm just, I'm glad to know, because I must be really spiritual right now, because I am in the flame. But sometimes we can get so caught up in the flame and so caught up in the agony that we don't agonize well. Okay? Does that make sense? Agony is not what God desires. You agonizing well is what God desires. How do you do that? Let me paint a picture for you. A while back, I actually got into a tough man contest. I got into a fight. Heather didn't want me to do it, and actually, I had to talk her into it, and I was like, I won't do one again. She made me sign a paper that I would never do it again, but I think I got out of that one because I'm going to do it again because I graduated from North Greenwood University, and I was like, you got to give me one more because I graduate. It's my graduation gift. But I, I don't know if I will because I did about die. Not because the, the other guy did hit hard and I had a major headache. But it wasn't so much that. You know what it was? And I had a trainer that I didn't know, that they just had trainers there for you, you know. And every time I, we had three one-minute rounds, and you think, one minute? That's not bad. Yeah, let's go. I will prove to you that you are not as good as you think. So I get in there, you know, I'm, I'm, my heart's already beeping like this. And I'm looking at this guy, and he's like this. And I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> and so I go in, and we start fighting each other, and I'm throwing. And I come back over to the corner, and the guy's like, and I'm like this. <gasps> and the guy's like, breathe. I said, what are you trying to do? <gasps> That's what I'm trying to do. 
And he said, no, I don't mean right now. I mean when you're fighting. And I said, what do you mean? I am breathing. No, he said, no. He said, every time you go in to punch, you go. I said, you're kidding me. He's like, no. So I tried not to, but I did it again. I go in, I'm trying to fight this big guy. I was like, I didn't know I was doing that. You got you to gotta breathe to fight. You got to fight to breathe. Some of you are going through the, tr- the, the fire right now, and you feel like you're about to pass slam out, but you're like this. Yeah. You got you to gotta breathe to be able to fight. And I will, you say, what are you, why are you using breathe? Because I remember Ezekiel chapter 37, and I love it. It's my favorite. Remember what Ezekiel said. God said, God told Ezekiel, says, prophesy, prophesy to thee breath. Same, spirit, uh, same word as spirit. It actually says in your Bible probably breath. He says prophesy to the breath. Prophesy to the breath that it would come and that it would, that he would breathe life into them. You see, Jesus Christ is the breath of life. And if you do not breathe him in on a continual basis, you will fall out and get drug away looking real stupid. You got to breathe him in. You got to breathe in Christ every day or you will not make it, guys. And neither will I. If you run into the fire and you do like I did and you say, you're going to pass out and get knocked out. I didn't get knocked out. I finished all three rounds. The other guy did win by decision, which I protest. But I did go into the bathroom and puke my guts out. (laughs) And there was a guy with me who said, you okay? And I was puking and trying to breathe at the same time. I was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I really thought I was going to die. I'm not even kidding. I never experienced anything like that in my life. And the next, the next one is, and this is another illustration that goes right along with that, that I just think is crucial, and I know we're getting pressed for time, but we'll be okay. Every now and then, when one of my kids... Now think of the illustration, okay? We're holding our breath, okay? We're doing our thing. You may even be winning the fight, so to speak, right now, but it won't be long if you continue to hold your breath that you will get beat, okay? When my kids get really hurt, and anybody in here has got kids, I think all kids do this. I don't know why they do it, but they do. If a kid gets hurt, smashes something, or something happens, what do they do every time? <gasps> every time. And I'm like, you know, you know, first few times I remember, I'm like, breathe, breathe. I don't know if he's going to breathe. Breathe, you know? And it's like, I mean, it's amazing how long they can hold their breath, right? In the same face. And so I remember some, one, somebody close to me, I don't know if it was my mom or maybe Deb or somebody, Heather, I don't know, said, blow in his face. Blow in his face. And so, it works, too, every time. How many of you have done that before? Doesn't it work? You know, and I, I kind of like it now, you know. I'm like, oh, he's doing it again. He's doing it again. <laughs> ah! Sometimes, and let me just say, why did he even tell us that story? Sometimes what you need, now follow me here. Let me connect this because it's good. Follow me here. Sometimes what you need is for somebody to come up to you and go, with the breath of life. Sometimes you need to be the one that goes up to somebody and goes, 
because somebody around you right now is going, because they're in so much pain. They've got their eyes closed. They're trying to scream, but they can't scream. They don't know what to say. They don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. And they need somebody who is aware enough and has enough of a relationship with them to come over and just go, I love you. So that they can go, thank you. The last point, and the band can go ahead and come on up. This will be kind of quick. Because I don't think we need to talk about the crown all that much. To be quite honest with you, I think we get too focused on the crown that's out there, and we don't realize that the crown is already here. So I do want to talk about it a little bit, but I want you to see a couple of things about the crown. Listen to what he says. He says, henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved me. I mean, his appearing, I'm sorry. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. What he is saying is, is that I'm fighting a good fight. Sometimes I get stuck holding my breath, and I, I need somebody to blow that breath into me, just like Ezekiel uh, prophesied of the breath, and it was blown into the dry bones to bring them back to life. Sometimes I need that. But I know that I can go through this. I know that I'm being thrown onto the flame. I know that I'm being burnt up. I know that I'm being poured out. But I know that I have that underlying joy. You see, that's the difference between joy and happiness. Happiness goes away when the flames come. Because you can't be giddy in flames. It's just a rule. You can't be, woohoo, going through a trial. <laughs> That's really not how it works. That's dumb, you know. Don't feel like you've got to smile all the time. You know, we do want to show the joy that's deep down inside of us. But sometimes it's okay if you're not smiling. We don't need to be fake here. This place is a place where life happens and where it's okay to not be okay. Now, if, you, if you're down in the dumps and depressed every day, then we've probably got a deeper issue with joy and not so much happiness. But it's really hard to be happy when you go into the flame. But this joy is a deep-rooted joy that goes back to what I told you about. Nothing can take away what God has given you. You can't take yourself out of the will of God. You cannot be plucked from his hand by anything. As a matter of fact, that's what he says. Who will, who will pluck him from my hand? The picture is this. Jesus Christ is standing like this going try he's mine you know it's kind of like that picture we have of the husband and the wife he's not a he's not a tyrant that belittles the wife but he is a leader who pushes the wife behind him not because he's better but because he is willing to sacrifice his life and as he is the pioneer of your faith that goes before he is the author of your faith and it says that that you should seek him that you should long for him because he went to the cross despising its shame for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame. And so he takes the bride and he puts her behind and he says, come try. Come try. Come try to take them out of my hand. And so we, as we go into the flame, we go into the flame knowing that this will only last for a little while. And in the morning comes glory. This is only temporal, but my God surpasses and is transcendent. This cannot defeat me because it has been defeated. 
He says, there is a crown that is laid up for me. And that word right there, I really appreciate. <clears throat> Another way to translate that word laid up, that's one word, is that it exists. You say, well, that's kind of bland. No, it's not. When he says that it is laid up, when he says that it is set aside, and he said, it exists. What he means is, is that it is real, it is there, and you can count on it. It really exists. So many of us have such little faith. We think that Jesus Christ is a good idea and all, but I've got to live life today. You need to understand that there is a real crown. <laughs> There is a real God who is smiling on you and enjoying the Roma as you are suffering with Christ. Romans chapter 8 says that we must suffer with Him so that we would be glorified with Him. That there is a real God that really created you. He really put worship in you. He really covered over your sins with the blood of His Son on the cross. And He really is preparing a place for you that where He is you may be also. And there really is a crown. And He really is looking down on you, strengthening you to, to stand up up under anything that may come your way. He really is orchestrating everything for the good of those that love Him and are called according to His purpose. He really is longing to see you one day. He really is strong enough to intervene into your circumstances right now and to keep it from overwhelming you. He really, really does love you. He really will not let you go. Even though you feel like you're about to leave, no sir. You cannot leave this God. You cannot walk away. For He died to buy you and you belong to Him if you have given yourself. That crown is real, my friend. And I ask only one thing of you today. And that is that you would examine yourself to see whether or not you be in the faith. To examine yourself to see how you are running the race. Are you holding your breath at this time? Do you need someone to breathe, to breathe life into you? Do you need someone to come along and notice that you can't even scream? We all stand to our feet and the lights come down a little. I want you to ask yourself, have I fought a good fight? What am I dying for? What is it that has a hold of me? What is it that I'm spending my money on? What is it that I am putting in the place of Jesus Christ? Are you finishing strong or are you trailing off? I know we are getting toward the end, my friend. Don't give up now. None of us are promised tomorrow. I know that we are getting close to the, to the end, my friend, but please don't lay down. Don't lay down. He will carry you. He will carry you. I know you're tired. I know you're weary. 
but he is looking to breathe life if you will breathe in. The Bible says draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Would you draw near to God today? Would you even admit that I am not here, God? Would you admit that I am not fighting for you, but I am fighting for me? Would you admit that I am not even running the race because I'm not standing? I'm on my back. And I need for you to breathe life into me. Is there any here today that would need salvation? True, true repentance and regeneration that you would know that you've been born into the family of God, heirs of the throne, fellow heirs with Christ. Some of you today need salvation because you've been playing games for a long time. I'm afraid for your soul that you will not come. But that is not my job. My job is to get on my face and pray that the Spirit would grab you and bring you to Himself. I can only plea with you and plead and cry out to you that my God is real. The peace that He offers is real. The joy that He offers is real. It cannot be taken away. Everything else in this world can and will be taken away one day. But He cannot be taken away from you. As I open up the altar, I open it for those that need this God. It's not even a want thing anymore. Your desire has surpassed your want and it has creeped into need. You need Him because you cannot breathe on your own. And then I would also ask that you come if you need someone to help you catch your breath. Let us pray over you. There is no shame in coming to this altar. There is no shame in coming to this altar. I have to go every time. And if your pastor has to go, if your leaders have to go, don't you be ashamed to go. There is not one righteous in this room. No, not one. There are none who seek good. There are all of us have turned and wandered and strayed from God. God is the only one righteous. Jesus Christ is the only one good. He is the only, the only, the only righteousness that you have a possibility of gaining. So do not be proud. For there is no better place than to humble yourself before God. Come now and receive life for the first time. Or come now and catch your breath. I will be here. Our team will pray over you. They will speak God into your life. They will call upon the name of Jesus that you might be freed from your trials or that you would be lifted up to suffer well. Because sometimes God doesn't see to free us, but only to empower us to come out on the other side more pure. Please come to Jesus.